at the Movies, a podcast where we rant about films you may have seen at house parties. I'm one of your hosts and jack-of-all-trades mono, and singing merrily while she executes hostages is my co-host and master of none, Kira. <laughs> Just evil laughing this time. Oh, yeah, evil laughing. <laughs> no, no comments. I couldn't think of one. <laughs> well, I mean, you'd be hard-pressed to compete with Joseph Gilgun in this film. Oh, yeah. Because he's fucking excellent. Yes. <laughs> it's been a while since we've had a, an entertaining psycho character. I like the bad psychos. And why oh, we love them they, here. Why are they always Scottish? They um, do it so well, it's the accent. It lends well, actually, itself to being a mad bastard. It does. And I was about to kind of go, well, maybe not. But uh, the the first couple of, of psychos that pop into my head from film... Or Robert covered, Carlyle. Robert Carlyle. <laughs> and Kevin McKidd yeah. in Bunraku. Yeah. And <laughs> so, also Dog Soldiers. Uh, well, no, well, no. He's but not, he's not, not a, a psycho nut- character in no. that. He's a nut job in, in Bunraku. Yeah. And Joseph Gilgan is a nut job in this. Uh, he's the best thing about this. Yeah, he's also the best thing about Preacher. He is the best thing about Preacher. <laughs> <laughs> and in fact, that was one that was one of the reasons why I had like very few doubts about him as Cassidy in Preacher was because I had seen him in this and I was like, oh, well, he can play a good psycho. So. Yeah, and apparently all he did then was just go and hang out in a bar and pick up traits from the locals. But not the accent. No. <laughs> but, not, but we're not talking about Preacher. No, no, we're not. No, we're talking about 2012's Lockout. Yes, Luke Besson. Although there is an Irish link, Cassidy being an Irish vampire. Yes. Because one half of the directors was an Irish guy. Yep. And all the VFX were done by a Dublin-based studio. Yes, that's right. Was it just the VFX or was it all the post-production? Uh, a good chunk of the VFX. They're, oh, yeah, they're a post-production company, isn't that it? They, yeah, they, they do they, it. They handle um, all aspects of it. Windmill Lane Studios, they do like audio VFX yeah like basically anything all of your post-production needs they kind of meet because we're a small country and the more you can diversify oh yeah what you do the better we have a surprisingly good track record for things like movies and not just well in... more Studios and Bray well, that's does, what I was saying, not just tons of casting for extras for things like Vikings the Tudors any movies filmed here which are well, as I was going to say, it's not just filming here because we have the duration of animation going yes. back to Don Bluth. We have plenty of video game developers with like Havoc and well, Thingy, um, is thingy in John Romero being in Galway. Yeah. So yeah, no, we actually have quite a, a good little, I don't call it underground, but you wouldn't necessarily think, but there is, there's a whole entertainment and VFX like digital and, and film industry going on that you wouldn't expect in Ireland. And speaking of... The Irish director from this film, James Mather, was also the DP on... Extraordinary. On Extraordinary, previous episode. And, and one uh, of my favourite Irish films, I think. Yeah, and he's worked on... He was a cinematographer for Frank. He's oh, working yeah. on... Um, done loads and loads of stuff. Oh, he's, he's, yeah, a, he's done a really loads. good cinematographer. And, and <laughs> should we perhaps address the elephant in the room around this film? Oh, the whole... Uh, <laughs> it's basically Escape from L.A., but in space. Well, Escape and from New York slash Escape from L.A., in, in space. space and, and <laughs> um, so much so that it was taken to court in a plagiarism case by John Carpenter who won yes <laughs> John Carpenter sued Luke Bazan and yeah. if you go to the IMDb credits it's really really funny because it says based on an original story by Luke Bazan Luke Bazan yeah he's a screenplay credit and then brackets it has uh, based on an original idea by and then directly beneath him it has John Carpenter and the other guy from Escape from New York as Based on Escape from New, New York, York. boy. <laughs> but, I mean, plagiaristic though it may be, it's still a really fun film. It is, and it is basically Escape from New York in space. Like, it yeah. was it. The president's daughter, she's trapped. There's a space prison because why not? 
Just oh, yeah. lock him in space. Well, there's a few aspects to that that I do like, but we'll get onto that in a minute. Yeah, so space prison, she's part of some humanitarian watchdog group who thinks that they're being abused. Yeah. Correctly. Spoiler. Yeah. <laughs> oh, come on. You think, like, corporate funded space prison isn't going to be, like, getting Just a bit that I said we'll, go, we'll get into in a minute. <laughs> yeah. Shit hits the fan, as it normally does in these situations. Oh, yeah. Um... I don't Basically, well I don't want I don't want a film that's a space prison where there's no breakout. No. <laughs> and guy who's been like wrongfully accused of some heinous crime is like basically offered the chance at his freedom if he goes in and rescues her. Yep. Like fuck everybody else. Yeah. I have but a she's the president's daughter. <laughs> I have a question. What? Are you doing summaries now? I apparently I am. <laughs> well I just just throw out my one. Yeah, because you always fuck it up. Oh, I, I don't always fuck it up. I, know, I, I fuck it up of, while recording. But. I kind of forgot that you normally do a summary <laughs> and just launch. Because we never give, here's the story. We always start off with like, oh, here's the scene. Here's some random that. shit. And then yeah. we do a summary. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's like overall thoughts about the film. I know. Into summary. And then into specifics. Well, that's, yeah. Well, it kind of is relevant to the whole escape from. Oh, I know. I'm just winding you up. I know. <laughs> Shall I go for a summary? Why not? See if you can do any better. Oh, I guarantee you I can. <laughs> In the near future, dangerous criminals are being held on the orbital space prison MS-1. But when a mass breakout occurs while the president's daughter is on board, recently convicted CIA agent Snoke Pluscon is sent to rescue her and try to clear his name in the process. That was terrible, Mushkin. <laughs> well, yeah, no, I, he's basically Snake. <laughs> yeah, he's great one-liners. No, yeah, uh, Guy Pierce playing Snow, not Snoke Pluscon. Yeah. <laughs> Is yeah, he's really fun in this. His dialogue and Joseph Gilgan's portrayal are the two best things in the film, I think. I was just excited to see Guy Pierce as like an action dude. Yeah, he's not, not often in straight action. And he you don't like when you think Guy Pierce, muscle bound like army guy does not come to mind. Like for me it's sequins and feathers because, you know, like Priscilla Queen of the Desert. But yeah, for me it's it's <laughs> tattoos and general dishevelment. Because of Memento, yeah, like he, but that's he's that kind of like definitely not old man Wayland because that film can get fucked. Oh god, I'd forgotten about that. Did you ever see the Time Traveler? Which or the Time Machine? Sorry, the Time Machine. Yeah, no, Planty's always banging on about it, mostly because it has Samantha Mumba. Yeah, Um, yeah. speaking of really, yeah, (laughs) Irish because for woohoo, alien language. We're all taught it in school. It's hilarious. Oh shit! Yeah, I forgot they they use Irish. They just basically used Irish because. She could speak it. Could Did they speak? just get her to do the Anwil Cadigum Dulgy and Letras bit? <laughs> no, but that's how she got the role. <laughs> and Toscamos is fair. Yeah. <laughs> What's the one from the ad? Colleen Cunis Boher Uctarocha or something like that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but enough of our yeah. vastly it, underspoken language. But um, yeah, it's not often you see Guy Ritchie as like. Guy Ritchie. Guy Ritchie, Jesus Christ. Guy Pierce. That's the one. As kind of macho man, I'll yeah. take this knife and stick it up your ass. Yeah, no. And he, and he does it really well. He does. He does it really well. The character of Snow is, he could be really brash and annoying only for the fact that the various one-liners they give him throughout, some of them are so fucking funny. My favourite being at the start in the interrogation scene. Um, <laughs> he when, just keeps getting punched in the face. Well, yeah, he just keeps encouraging it. <laughs> 
And then he finds out the guy who's beaten him up is called Rupert. <laughs> and he's getting beaten up by a guy called Rupert. No, no, but a- after the beating up when his like CIA mate Shaw comes to see him and he offers him like some nuts and he goes, no thanks, I'm trying to quit and light a cigarette. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the interrogation sequence is hilarious with the credits. He keeps getting punched into the credits. Yeah. Yeah, that's a pretty much our opening as well. Yeah. Well, you got that nice action sequence at the start that's setting up. No, that's it. Oh, it, it, it opens with start, the interrogation oh, because yeah, it like what happened in being, the room. Yeah, it opens and, with him being punched in the face. And then the interrogation is intercut with the flashback to what happened, happened in, the, in room, the room and the nice little fight scene with the awesome <gasps> oh, uh, the execution with the bed how, sheet thing. Housekeeping. <laughs> Yeah, no, that that's pretty. That good. is so that's nice. Slick. That little flick, oh, it's so cut. I don't, and just um, seeing somebody getting electrocuted with a hairdryer in a bathroom sink—not something you often see in a fight film either, or in a fight scene. Yeah, hairdryers generally don't make it stretch that far in motels. Didn't this one? <laughs> to yeah. great effect. Oh yes. But yeah, our introduction to Snow is pretty succinct. Of, yeah, he's a smartass and he's in trouble with the government. <laughs> I just love the little smirk when he's like, ah, yeah, your your wife. So he makes some insinuation that, you know, this guy's wife is a whore. Well, that he's been banging her. Yeah. I don't, <laughs> I don't know what the punchline is, but your mother's a whore. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a deep cut reference. Um <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and, and it's the, the head of Secret Service that he's giving all the lip to as well. Played by podcast favourite and number one Satan, Peter Stormare. Yay! Who are Actually, I was happy to see. Yeah, well, quite uh, hard to recognise Peter Stormare. Yeah, the little goatee thing isn't doing much for him, is it? Or the kind of accent. Um, well, the accent works, but the goatee thing is weird. Yeah, the goatee thing is weird. And he's a bit of a kind of know-it-all, arrogant well, the he's head of head Secret of, Service. He's the head so. of Secret Service. The Secret Service, so yeah. He's, it's kind of within the character. Yeah, he doesn't get a whole lot of on-screen time, but he is kind of fun while we have him. Oh, especially towards the end when he starts to become a total prick. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and then kind of, apart from... Like you like you thought he was a prick and then he became a total prick. prick. Yeah, and then... No, I won't say that. <laughs> <laughs> But then on, on kind of the supporting Snow side, because the whole thing is he has been recently convicted of murdering another CIA agent. He feels he's being set up. Yeah, because they were, so they was like accused of selling state. Selling state secrets, yeah. space program secrets, I think is what it's supposed to be. Still treason. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like it's still <laughs> so it's treason. treason and murder. Yay! <laughs> And Shaw shows up after the interrogation scene as somebody from the CIA rather than the Secret Service to try and, like, help Snow out a little yeah, bit. Yeah, and, and he him, has something to do with the low-orbit police force as well or something? Or is that just... No, that's just where, that's just where they conduct the operations from uh, later on. right. They're like, we're commandeering this location. Yeah, it's who's in charge here? Not, not anymore, anymore, you're, you're not... not- <laughs> Yeah, it's one of those situations. Ah, uh, okay, I didn't get that from the start. I was just like, why is he there? Did they no, make that? That would make sense, because he's a CIA. Shaw's a CIA agent as well, and he's there trying to like also find out what happened. And they're asking Snow who his partner on the job the job was. And, yeah, and he's like, his... who did you throw the briefcase to? Yeah, and that ends up being kind of partly the reason why... He, he go, takes, he the, takes job. the job to go, yeah. on it, to go on MS1 because it turns out that his partner ends up on MS1. Yeah. He's being held in stasis. Yes. Because that's how they keep them. Yeah. And Little that, ice cubes. 
Yeah, as, as we find out that pretty quickly. It's it's not the worst exposition because when we meet the president's daughter, she's on like a shuttle heading towards MS-1. And do... she's getting a briefing. She's getting yeah. a security briefing, which lets us know kind of what the facility is, who's housed there. Yeah, and she's also there working for a charity to, I'm guessing it's some sort of like human rights charity. Because she's there to kind of see the standards of the prison. So we find that's where we find out, yeah, that yeah, they're all held it's, in stasis. A, it's a privately funded location as well. So there's certain and it's a, grey areas that aren't, they aren't exactly overseeing the way like state-run stuff is. It's supposed to be a proof of concept as well because there's only 500 prisoners on board. And he says, you know, yeah, once we get the full go-ahead. Yeah, fucking dregs. They were like, give us the 500 worst that you have. There's no point in sending the white-collar criminals to space, in fairness. I know, but when you're testing something, I mean, like, and if if you're not 100% sure, it's it's going to hold them. Well, they maybe, seem 100% sure. Maybe not. It would have been fine if it wasn't for fucking Hawk, in fairness. It was stupidly easy for them to get to the control room. Um, it was stupidly easy for them to get to the control room. It was stupidly easy for Hawk to bring a gun through into the, the prisoner's side. Why was he, like... They were like, oh, yeah, the prisoner's side of the room. But there was nothing to delineate that that's the prisoner's side of the fucking room. There wasn't even a bloody white line. There's a fucking big glass window between them. There is. Really? That's what he shoots through. Oh. <laughs> and he hits but up he on gets, the inside and causes gets, the explosion. But he gets around, like he's right he up shoots, in his face. No. She is on the non-prisoner side behind the glass window. But Hawk. why is Hawk on the prisoner's side? Because he's there for security and to ensure that your man But it literally the looks like he just walks I, down the table and then gets manhandled and then Joe... Um, no, he's in a different room entirely. There's a glass was, between them. Who's the... Who gets the gun lifted off him? Hawk is the guy who gets the gun lifted off him. And then there's another guard in there from the prison who who he has a gun because he's supposed to. Yeah. And he gets shot. And then Heidel shoots through the window which causes an explosion on the other side of the room which blows out the glass which is Why how he Hawk gets through. Why the prisoner's side then? I, I don't know. To be a stupid idiot so the plot can okay. happen. <laughs> wow, I totally missed that. I thought... They Are were... we going to have to go for three watch-throughs of films? I don't know. Uh, or you just kind of have to, like, get off your phone. I, I was just like, <laughs> oh, look, why do you have a gun? Why are you over there? Why are you showing his face? But that's th- that interrogation scene is also one of the fun ones when Heidel gets broken out, Joseph Gilgun's character, and uh, he's asked about his crimes and he says, oh, no, I didn't do that. It was a case of mistaken identity. <laughs> She says, 53 counts of aggravated assault. I have a very familiar face. <laughs> yeah, with the one milky eye and the nice brand on the other side. And the yeah, because she, she asks him, do you feel any disorientation from stasis? And he says, well, I can't see out of this eye. <laughs> but on the point of the stasis, I do like, she brings it up on the, the shuttle. That, Emily. Yeah, Emily, the president's daughter, brings it up on the shuttle that there's reports that it's being used or on the way in I can't remember if it's on the shuttle or not but there's reports that the prison is also being used to test the effects of deep space exploration yeah because, on the prisoners as guinea pigs in stasis yeah because if they, again deep space exploration the only way it's really viable this is set in what 2070 2079 so the only way it's kind of still viable at this point is to develop some sort of stasis mm. what well, and yeah this is an easy way of checking on them because these guys are serving like 10 to 15 years yeah or longer or longer <laughs> like so you've got a long term yeah, we've got short the, and long term to test people on. And then she also points out that one of the major contributors is some aerospace company. Yeah. 
And then there's that little turnaround on her that her charity happens to be funded by the same, the same company. One. Yeah. Is one of their major contributors as well because they're playing both sides of the fence. Oh, they're not playing both sides of the fence. They're, they're, it means that they can say, oh no, we like the, we allowed a charity to come yeah, and investigate and they found ours. nothing. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, that's one of the things she says as well is that stasis could, there's reports that stasis can cause Early onset dementia. Yeah, just... The, destruction of the frontal cortex. Yeah, degenerative effects on the brain. Yeah, it's not good. Uh, no, and, and you do see it later <gasps> after so the full sad. breakout with a couple... But it, not just with... There is a few of them. Yeah, you see a few characters just kind of like curl up in corners, rocking back and forth, speaking gibberish. Yeah. There's another guy who's kind of just seems to be like claustrophobic and, and freaking out. He has a tantrum and attacks... Alex, our other kind of lead yeah. prisoner. And then there's a few that are almost like childlike mm. going around. They're lost and scared. So yeah, I, I do like that they keep that throughout it and it's and not just a sideline. And levels as well. And then some of them are just full on psychotic. Yeah, some it's of them are. It's hard to tell if there was any kind of... <laughs> yeah, were they made more aggressive or were they already this aggressive to begin with? Yeah. <laughs> But then you also see some of them seem to be fine. We don't know how long any of them are necessarily in there to begin with. But yeah. Alex seems to be a lot more compass mentis and quite sensible and logical. He makes a lot of smart decisions throughout well, the movie. He's, he's the leader of it. He's also Heidel's brother. Yeah. And kind of looks after him as well. I'd say it's more tries to keep him reined in rather than look after. Yeah, he'd get himself in trouble. You know that he's been doing that since they were little shits. Oh yeah, absolutely. And that does... And he's like, who's going to look after you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I like, I do like that he is quite calm and collected throughout it. He's, he makes sensible moves. He finds out which hostages he has on, you know, yeah. what, what their job was, whether or not he can use them for various who's things throughout. Who's important, who's not. Well, that poor bastard that they put out through the airlock. The warden. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a couple of them that they, they jettison into space. Yeah. But yeah, the warden is hilarious. And they're like, oh, you want to know if we're serious? Here's the warden. Bye-bye. Yeah, that's the first one. There'll be another one in an hour. Yes. But they don't actually issue any demands. Presumably freedom, but beyond that. Yeah, get out of here. Because, again, they're still stuck in space. Yeah. And there is that really nice scene then as well when they send the negotiator on board. It's kind of how they sneak Snow on board the Yeah, they're like, hey, we're going to send up somebody to talk to you guys. Yeah, we send over a negotiator with some supplies and Snow sneaks on then. But the negotiator is... He's quite, he's quite slick. He's quite sensible in how he goes about things. (laughs) Oh my God, can you imagine if he had been the guy from Best in Show? I mean... That negotiator wouldn't have done so well. You get down off that chair or I'll break your legs. Come on, joke. What do I care? Uh, no, <laughs> no yeah. this negotiator was a bit more competent. Yeah, no, um, it was very nice, very well done. And yeah, it's one of the it's one of the better written scenes in the film when he comes on. His intention is to try and get the president's daughter off, but yeah. he can't give that up. Yeah, they're and basically the way he like goes about fuck suggesting everybody else. It. Like they at this point they. Kind of the powers that be have already decided, like, they, they're not going to be able to contain this. Yeah. And they're like, they're not going to risk a squad to go up and try and rescue some scientists and some prison guards and some prisoners. But they can maybe try and get her off and then blow make the it, sh- Yeah, and make it seem like it's part of the negotiation yeah. process. 
But yeah, no, that's it, it's a well written scene in there. It's, yeah, and if that doesn't work, then they'll send. Then they're going to send, send Snow in, in, yeah. But yeah, the way he kind of suggests a particular person without actually suggesting that particular person is well, quite well they done. They know she's wounded because she's got this handy, nifty little implanted tracker. Yeah. Fitbit thing. It's essentially what it is. Yeah, it's basically it's a, a Fitbit and a locator and. Well, it's not, it's not a locator. That's the thing that I found was kind of annoying. It can say, it can tell, like, oh, she's deprived of oxygen. She's losing but blood. She's this, she's that. But yeah, it doesn't have a fucking, like, homing beacon of any kind in it. Nah, that's some bullshit right there. Almost as much bullshit as the hair scene. Oh, that fucking hair scene. <laughs> Wank. To not give away too much, they, when Snow eventually finds... Emily. Oh, she has to be disguised. So they do the atypical here. Let me shear all your hair off and rub some crap on your head. Yeah. Here's your glamour. It, it, in a in a prison toilet, <laughs> he mixes together. Toil- he he toilet does water. her hair in the toilet. It's that bit in fucking Tangled when he slices off her hair with the the shard of glass, and it's this perfect pixie cut. Yeah. Fuck off. Doesn't happen. Does not. <laughs> no. Fucking happen. And what is it? Coffee? It's fucking like motor oil or coffee something? Coffee, oil, cigarette ash and uh, toilet water mixed together. And he dyes her hair perfectly. Like pitch nope. black and it's not running everywhere and she's not puking because it's She's stains. not got stuff on her face or yeah, anything. Yeah, like nothing. None of that. Okay, she is blonde so that does help. But we would have been better off getting fucking Sharpie and squeezing all... Because you can dye your hair with Sharpie. But I, I, it cracks... No, you actually can dye your oh, hair with Sharpie. But that um, bit cracks me up because he's he goes through all this and she comes out with this perfectly dyed, perfectly and he shaped puts a hat pixie. On her? No pixie cut. And I don't mind the hat. And, and that that's ridiculous. And then he follows it up with something really sensible of punching her in the face to give her a believable bruise so that yeah. she looks like she's been in fights and been in a prison for a while. Yeah. I was like, that's clever. The hair thing is some bullshit. He put a fucking hat on her anyway. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> Well, I mean, the Why? Long... I know it's like the bits that are sticking out, blah, 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 blah. She has long blonde hair and they're looking yeah. for a blonde woman. So he puts her in a jumpsuit. Like, it's kind of smart what he does, but it's just the, he the could have probably put the big bulky jacket on her as well to make her look not so teeny, teeny, tiny. Yeah, it's not the best. Although it is probably one of the only things that they dislike. It's not even that big of a thing. But that, I think, is a bit stupid in the movie. It is that trope, like, Gone Girl does it, fucking loads of them do it. Oh, yeah, no, it is. It's a very tropey thing, all right. No. And that's one of the only things I don't like. There's a bit of shitty CG at the start. Oh, But it's not even the worst because it's kind of, it's all CG. Yeah. So it's not like where they put a CG monster into an otherwise real set and it looks terrible. Or when Supernatural used to do it with the car for some reason. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's just like, why? Yeah, it's an entirely CG environment. It's a CG bike, it's a CG background, it's a CG car chasing him, and, mm. and it, it just but looks the, video gamey, this, so it's not too bad. Yeah, but all the stuff down in space and all that looks brilliant, so... Yeah, the rest of it's fine, and... And, and the torsion scene as well looks great. Oh, the zero-G fight scene? Yeah, it's great the torsion fun, system, yeah. yeah. No, that's it, there's, there's more than enough to balance out that one little bit that doesn't look great. Yeah. Because, I say, the space looks great. The stuff on the space station, the set of the space station is fantastic. I like the way they move through it as well because you do get a sense of the scale of this thing because it is hard to get a sense of scale in space. And you, I like, I know you do get stuff docking with it, but at the same time, how big is that thing? Yeah, it's not until kind of you see some of the space fight scenes that you get a better idea of how big of a yeah. ship this is. But like when they move through, like at one point they're in the vents because they're always in the vents. Yeah. But when they're moving through general population as well, that's like a big open area. Mm. So you do kind of get this 
they're trying to make their way through to these escape pod things. Yeah, I will say, I think Pandorum gave a better sense of scale inside a ship than this does, but it's still, this does a, a Well, good this is supposed job to be kind of, a, this isn't like a cedar ship the way no. Pandorum is. Yeah, it's, that, it's, that this should is be a much of bigger more ship. Of a, like a more realistic for the time frame we're looking yeah. at. Yeah. Based on like like say this is is very realistic compared to some sci fi's where they're like it's two hundred years in the future and we've conquered Mars. Um, yes, not to shit on the Expanse, <laughs> but like as yes much as I love no. the Expanse, but this is kind of more realistic for what we could have functioning yeah. in fifty years. So it's not massive. We find out the ISS is still floating around. Yeah, somehow because <laughs> it's falling apart. Yeah. Um, it's already past like it's expected life. Yeah, and it's still point. go. Yeah, and it's still holding on out there. So like this is, is kind of more of a reasonable future. Yeah, no, model. it's not. No, it's not like completely ridiculous. They don't go into the science too heavily on it either. But there's a couple of nice. Yeah, a couple of nice little bits, and yeah, it is that bit more realistic. It's it it is near future sci fi rather than anything. Yeah, no, and I do I like crazy. that. I do like that aspect of it because you get to see things like the shuttles and stuff, even though the mm. shuttles aren't even in use anymore. But apparently, we've reverted back to that. Probably should. Yeah, <laughs> just build, but like you, build the, it has what we would recognize as modern space travel. Yeah, in it. Or yeah, yeah, or near enough to modern yeah. space travel, like like n- not too far future yeah and and as well ms1 is a prototype yeah so it's it's the first of its kind so yeah a lot of money went into building it as a proof of concept and it's not like there's 15 or 20 of them floating around in inside of 50 or 60 years from now it's just the one and it's brand new but when you see kind of stuff from like inside the iss it's very tiny and it's cramped and it's that's yeah where we are now so to have this bigger facility and things like the torsion mm. system and an anti-gravity system it's it's fun and i appreciate that yeah no they have they've, they've worked that in well and i like the the low orbital police department that you mentioned earlier yes. as well it again it makes sense that well hey if something goes wrong we don't want to have to fly all the way up from earth why not have a smaller what he's hitting on the girl and in low <laughs> and he's like hey do you get dizzy sometimes yeah, do you like, like, do you like yeah. working in space <laughs> Hey, how you doing? Yeah, that's that's snow all over. He's like, can't be ours. Big boys are talking. I'm gonna go hit on the pretty girl. <laughs> yeah, no, he, he, Snow just has some of the best lines in this film. He's just <laughs> so cavalier and nonchalant the whole way through about everything, and I love it. I'm here for it, absolutely. Oh, oh no, you you don't have to do that. You could just say thank you. <laughs> in context, that's one of the best lines in the film. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, they have they built a believable world for the film. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, it, it's it's not completely like no, we we wouldn't have this shit at all. It's it's feasible that we can have these things in yeah, fifty it, odd years. It is, it is a lot more realistic. Um, I have some issues with how long it is between whatever happened in that hotel room and then them ending up on the space station. Why so, Mace? And that's all I'm going to say about that. Um, I just what? Yeah, yeah, it's a bit incongruous in that sense. But I suppose you could magic that issue you have with Mace away by saying that they don't necessarily know all the effects. She does. She does say some people just unravel. Yeah, yeah. Um, And even when when they're threatening with sending Snow to MS1 before they offer him the rescue mission, Langrail says some minds just can't take it in stasis. 
Yeah. To which Snow tells him he's quite looking forward to it. <laughs> <laughs> because he's a little fucking shit. But on the, again, on the note of the stasis, um, more of a moral issue, but stasis is hardly a punishment for violent criminals. Yeah, they proved that in Judge Dredd. You don't mean Judge Dredd at all. What, in the queue? You mean Demolition Man. Oh, do I mean Demolition Man? I'm pretty... Oh. When is there... What What are you talking about? In Judge Dredd, isn't, hasn't his twin been like... No, he's just locked up. Oh, then it is Demolition Man. Yeah, it is absolutely is Demolition <laughs> Man you're thinking of. Because that's the whole thing. They are, are sentenced to cryogenic freezing and then uh. they wake up later on. And nothing has changed. They are still the same asshole they always were, just in the future. <laughs> or further in the future, as this in this case. There was case. a lot of stuff in the 90s that had people in cryostasis, though. There was, yeah. And yeah. both of those were Sylvester Stallone films, which yeah. I'm guessing is the problem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, Demolition Man, fucking awesome film. But um, did they never really... And it, because they kind of... They tackle the thing about is the stasis being used just as a way to experiment? Well, that's on... the whole like her the, her line of questioning is: but, Do you dream? Are you aware? Like, are you aware of time passing? But yeah, but because they're they're bringing up that side of it, I'm surprised they don't at all mention in any case. Like, well, what good is it actually just freezing prisoners for thirty years or fifty years or however long it is? Unless you're just going to keep them up there indefinitely. Yeah, because it's going to be like no time passed for them and they're not going to have learned anything and just continue on as opposed to rehabilitation and re-education, which I think Norway have proven most successfully. But also, there's supposed to be a punishment. Walking walking into a chamber, having the door closed and then from from your perspective, the door closes and the door opens and your sentence is over. Yeah. Like, everybody would commit crime. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like, it's, like you have just removed prison sentences by do effectively unless somebody is afraid of traveling into the future you know like oh no I don't want to wake up 60 years from now everybody what like Fry's ex-girlfriend who froze herself and can't handle the future <laughs> yeah so let's freeze ourselves again and then, and then but, end up in LA but yeah well, like everybody would just commit crimes because oh, what's the worst that's going to happen to me they'll send me to MS1 freeze me for a few years and then I'll just walk out again um, you could wake up on a completely empty ship that has now been repopulated by a humanoid feline species that evolved from the cat that you were initially sentenced to stasis for Frankenstein yeah yeah that's the plot of Red Dwarf I know <laughs> I got but... there <laughs> <laughs> but because of a radiation leak that you're annoying but roommate didn't as, as as much of a joke as you tried to make that 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 further proves my point look, yeah. look at Lister's attitude yeah it takes can, it takes about five seasons before Lister actually becomes semi-competent as a human well, no, being but even, but, through his travels and experiences but no but in that moment it's more of a Lister is, to Lister is told yeah. but he's not supposed to go a million years into the future They're that's a mistake dead, but that's a mistake yeah. his sentence is six months in stasis yeah he doesn't get duck pay and if he did it it wouldn't matter because he's in stasis and he's told give up the cat or go into stasis and he just goes fine I'll go into stasis yeah because you don't care about the, the, there's no consequences yeah like, and he still gets to keep Frankenstein because they were going to what they can't find it yeah, yeah and they can't find it lives. and he evolves into cat well he yeah. doesn't but yeah that's what leads to the evolution of cat yeah so yeah they couldn't find the cat so he he rightly thought well when I get out in six months my cat will still be there I'll have been punished in inverted commas and well hey it's it's just an accident happens and he doesn't get out for a million years yeah <laughs> which is a risk I suppose but like <laughs> what are the chances of that happening again <laughs> 
I don't think that red dwarf exists in the same fictional universe as Lockhart. It would be. It would make for a very interesting crossover. Don't get me oh, wrong. Gosh. With the canaries. Would it be a better? Oh yeah, the canaries. Of course, it would be a better crossover than the one you suggested with Dead Snow. What? Dead Snow and the Human Centipede crossover. Oh, uh, no. You were the one who suggested it. Did I? Yes. Was I having Do you a... remember anything No, today? my brain is mush. You don't... Yeah, you're, yeah. you can't remember that. I'm supposed to do the summary. Can't remember <laughs> fucking actors who were in the films and what films they were in. No, I have, I have soggy tuna brain. Yes, yes, you do. I took it out. <laughs> I grew for the tuna. <laughs> that would explain a lot. My own personal girl. Yeah. Yeah. I got an Aragumi one. He's awesome. You what? I have an Aragumi one. Uh, That's the name of that Japanese crochet style. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yes, we do have a crochet girl. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Is there there anything else that you did or didn't like about this, actually? I really, really enjoy this film. I think that the the bad guys, the bad guys, were like the, the actual criminals. Alex, in particular, is so well played. Yeah. It's really, really nuanced. Yeah, he does. He does have a lot of nuance. Especially at the end when he's having a freak out and you think he's going to shoot your man and Mm. and he just... Yeah. And and there's a brilliant... It's very like Saul um, when the train gets away in... Yeah. And he goes, ah! And he punches the guy because he's like, I just got to do something. But he's very sharp they're like when they're trying to get the door open and he's like get me two engineers yeah, and he just shoots one immediately and he goes now that'll hopefully that will shortcut me the inevitable it can't be done conversation yeah and then when that guy ends up frying the circuitry and he's like oh we're going to need a new engineer this ends- one sprung a leak because <laughs> yeah. he's pissing himself <laughs> but there's things that he does that are really really smart when he works out that she's the president's daughter and he's mm. like huh uh, yeah and even from we need her like just before they jettison the warden and he's going she's the president yeah he was about uh, to tell us something important yeah and he's a little bit pissed at him but he's like I can't be mad at him he's my brother but even from his first action before he knows who any of the hostages are he walks in and he sees Heidel about to try and rape the president's daughter and the first thing he does, he throws him to the side and he says, in about an hour, we're going to be fucking surrounded. And Yeah, control yourself. Yeah, control yourself. You don't piss on your own poker chips. Yeah. And, yeah. We're going to, we need them to get out of here. <laughs> yeah, they are our only possible way of getting out of here. Let's not start by fucking, you know, shooting them and raping them and doing horrible things to them. Yeah, well, that was his whole, uh, can you guess what I was before I was a rapist? A pickpocket. <sighs> and an all-around asshole. Ah, uh, yes. But yeah, no, the... Oh, the, bad the, the guys little are Capri really fun. sons of milk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know why that entertains me so much when he's just sitting there, caught like a little nut job, sitting cross-legged on the table. Yeah. Just slurping away on this little Capri but son of milk. As as our two main villains, they're nice counterpoints to each other because you have the more calm, controlled, measured, and still equally sinister with Alex. And then Heidel is the, the just completely out of control, proper, full-on psychopath yeah. that you just can't predict or, or trust like to do anything Alex right can't even really fully control them oh yeah yeah no it, it seems he like can, he's just barely got a lead on him at all times yeah but he can't definitively control him yeah he's very but, much the wild card and, and because we I, I I really think that the performances are excellent because we don't have any kind of backstory for them or anything they just 
They're two nut jobs. They're just they're just two nut jobs on on a prison, and they're just the ones who happen to be in the right place at the right time to run the show when the breakout happens. Yeah. And beyond that, they're nothing special on the prison. That's the impression well, I got. Well, they don't seem to be. Well, they're not in general population. They're like, I think they're... No, he is. is Alex he? wakes up in general population and Heidel was woken up specifically for the interview yeah. with Emily. But they quickly... Established themselves. <laughs> yeah, and take control of the situation. Because you don't really meet any of the other prisoners. Like, you don't really... Like, you meet some no, of them in just... passing and that's just it. It's the same with the majority of the, of the staff that work there, with the exception of the doctor, her friend... Yeah, and we get we get her name briefly. I think it's like but Kimberly or something like that. Yeah, it's definitely something beginning with a K. I think. Yeah, the negotiator, the warden doesn't last very long. No, there's there's not an awful lot of side characters that matter at all. No. You have a couple of side plots, but your main characters are obviously Snow, Emily, then your two bad guys of Alex and Heidel, and then your support of Langrel, the head of the secret security. And Shaw, you're a CIA agent. And that's kind of it. Yeah, the president... Mace just, shows up a bit. Yeah, the, the president's... president's a, in a, a little bit, just because somebody finally told him that his daughter's being held in a hostage is, situation because he's had a high corn fructose syrup <laughs> convention. He, he the, the president is in this film, but the president is not a character in this film at all. No, he's there. There, yeah, I got he just, nothing for him. No. And he's supposed to be... I mean, I know he's not in it that much, but he's supposed to be the president of the United States of America. He's supposed and to have some gravitas. Yeah, and, and he's, just, he's just there. He's and like, he's, a, he's like a, a mid-level manager in a corporate company somewhere. He's not the president. Who was that fucking butthole-faced, white-haired little prick that was arsing about with the Trump? What? I don't know any of his fucking sycophant followers. Is it Mike Pence? He looks like Mike Pence. Oh, I don't know. Why do you always have to go to American politics? No, he just looks like that little fucker. <laughs> that counts. That counts. But yeah, no, he looks, he just, he, yeah, he's like, I get middle management vibes off him. Not president of the no, United States vibe. He's, he's very much bootlicker. Yeah, and... Like, there is no kind of, I give me Bill Pullman in Independence Day any day. <laughs> Well, but he actually is a character in that. Yeah, you know I mean? but the, like, no, but like anytime he's in anything and he picks up a microphone or something like that, that's all I see is him giving the Independence Day speech. But he has presence. Yeah. This president just... Doesn't. No, he's no. just, he's just, he's there and not there at the same time. Yeah. He's Schrodinger's president. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. The actor might be amazing. It's just... It's just a really there. tiny lot of role. And I think yeah. somebody along the way kind of went, we should probably have the president in it like he should probably have been notified at some point because <laughs> it's, is, it's his daughter that's and, <laughs> but also this has reached like peak escalation and if we don't do something now because it at, at some point during all the prison shenanigans it's now losing dropping out of orbit or orbit, orbit? orbit. <laughs> it's dropping out of orbit and we'll dropping crash <laughs> oh no of all the things we've said on this podcast, and you're upset with me for saying something about Roy Orbison dropping out of something when he died in a plane crash. Who sure he died in a plane crash? I don't care how he died. We said worse. Yes, I have. What was I saying? Yeah, it's it's falling out of the sky. So they're like, shit, this is going to crash into the eastern seaboard with like 500 convicts on board. And they may possibly, some might survive. Um, I don't think there's any chance of anybody surviving. But they're also like the size of it. This is going to be a major issue. Somebody better tell the president, and that's like at the point where they decide that that's a good time to tell him. Not that his daughter also happens to be on this. 
fuck me did you watch this film at all I know they do tell them that the daughter is on it <laughs> it's one of the first like that's yeah but they're also like yeah but this is oh he died of a heart attack um <laughs> <laughs> oh my god editing this is gonna be a nightmare <laughs> I did watch it. I'm very tired. I know you're very tired. But yeah, no, they do They do tell him early on. I know on. they do tell him, but like when he shows up, they're like, yeah, whatever. We don't care that your daughter is on it. It's also falling out of the sky. Well, yeah. We need to do something about that now. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but crappy president aside, one thing I will give this film credit for, and I always appreciate in a film, is when a character says you have X amount of time to do something. Oh, and it's actually that amount of time? Snow is told he has five minutes to do something, and it's pretty much not exact, but near enough that I'll, I'll let them away with it five minutes yeah. till that, that thing, thing happens. When they hold their breath to go underwater, and you subconsciously do it just to see how long it is. <laughs> no, I don't do that. But if somebody says, oh, it's 20 seconds till X happens, you can bet your ass I'm going to start going one, two, three. And if it's not 20 seconds, exactly, I'll be pissed off. <laughs> when you go into minutes, I'll give you a little bit of leeway either side. <laughs> But yeah, the the credit credit where it's due. Yeah, unless they're trying to, they have like a certain amount of time to get a certain distance, and then you're like, no, nah, that's never gonna work. Oh, and they're like, you have thirty seconds to get five hundred meters. You want to retreat to a safe five hundred kilometer radius? Yeah, no, that day. <laughs> Come on, freedom cage. <laughs> Roll me to freedom. <laughs> But oh. yeah, no, they actually do. It's the five minutes until like, because I think there's like nitrogen alarms going off or whatever. And they're like, they have to get to the, they can. Oh, no, it, it's five minutes. I I, yeah. I, I wasn't going to give any specifics away because we've already given away enough plot for a non-spoiler podcast. Yeah. <laughs> if somebody so can before... string together the plot out of what we've said, well done. Except for the bit at the start, which was actually quite good. Well, I think if they just listened to me, they'd be okay. Uh. <laughs> But is there anything else you'd like to bring up before you misremember any other parts of this film? Um, all of it. Um. <laughs> oh, well, no. And uh, in, in your defense, um, I'm not perfect either because I have one note here that says security door bit. And I have no idea what the fuck I was referring to. Something good happens in and around a security door and I there can't remember what it is. There are many security doors. Yeah, that's why I can't remember. I should have been more specific, but no. Nope. security door bit? That, I, oh, I think that just is the engineer when the, the guy who shows up at the third security... Oh, it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The third right, security yeah. engineer who's like, you can shoot me if you want, but I can guarantee you I'll have this door open in five minutes. And he's like, right, okay. Balls on you. Yeah, let's good sales what, pitch. Let's see what you got. <laughs> Especially because he shot one. The other one's pissed himself and he's walked up and done a quick, like, fucking assessment and gone. Oh, no. No, when he walks up, the guy who pissed himself gets shot. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's why he's like, you can shoot me if you want, but if you give me five minutes instead yeah. of two. I'll have this door open. So, more plot details. <laughs> <laughs> I think it might be time to wrap it up before we give away the ending. Yes. <laughs> but, yeah, no, I will say it's it, it's definitely a really fun film. Nothing particularly deep going on. No, it's I do re- like the little what stasis does to the brain aspect B-plot thing going on but beyond that it's just silly fun action it's really well paced as well because it's there's a couple of really nice one-on-one fight scenes there's a couple of big brawly scenes where everyone has a go a couple of gunfights a couple of gunfights yeah no no shoot boomstick in space canoe no apparently in this space canoe you can you can shoot boomstick you just have to be careful where you shoot it yeah it makes the nitrogen levels go up (laughs) but it's not it doesn't. It doesn't feel draggy. No, and it's a relatively short film, but yeah, it 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 is paced well and it's punchy. 
Yeah, and then you get those little, the quippy interludes between him and her, because they kind of, like, want to hate fuck each other. Uh, yeah, that that's definitely what they're trying to set up. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and she comes off a bit more annoying in their interactions than him. But yeah, yeah, they they do have that kind of quippy relationship, and in between your your action scenes, Snow always has some smart ass comments, whether it's towards Emily or to the people on the radio on comms. Yeah. So you get these kind of fight scenes, quippy dialogue, plot development, some more action or fight scenes. Yeah, no, it keeps it keeps rolling over. Yeah, no, it does, and it's pretty much the halfway mark before he finds her. So you have a kind of setup, getting onto the station, find her, try and break your way off to big finale. Yeah, and it is really well done, even if it is quite um, plagiaristic. Just a little bit. <laughs> just, but hey, just, just as, a little bit. As you've said before, there's basically only seven stories in the world getting retold over and over yeah. and over. And I love Escape from New York and I love Escape from L.A. And this is almost the natural progression of it, which is oh, yeah, Escape where, from Space Prison. <laughs> it's it's the, Where do you go when you've run out of ideas? Up to space! Or underwater. Well, well yeah, that's, I'd like to see that's this, wet space. Yeah. <laughs> the unknown, but yeah. Bioshock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You go, you go to wet space or you go to outer space. Yeah. That's what I'm going to start calling the sea from now on. Wet space. Wet space. <laughs> wet space. Is you it have wet? outer space and you have wet space. Is it wet when you're all in it, though? Are you wet because everything else is wet? We're not starting that fucking <laughs> argument. <laughs> I'm just trying to invalidate your wet space. My wet space? Yeah. You want to invalidate my wet space? <laughs> Gross. <laughs> Definitely time to start wrapping up. <laughs> but... Yeah, guys, look, if you haven't seen Lockout, check it out. If you have, check it out again. It's a, it's a really fun Saturday night, silly movie, popcorn, couple of beers. We do watch, watch movies on days other than Saturday, by the I way. I know, but like, it is, <laughs> no, kind of, I know, it, I is know. it is that kind of like silly Saturday night in. Yeah, throw, Baba, it, on, throw it on, short film. Babas Bloomy. Yes. Quippy dialogue hits all the buttons. Yeah, no, and... and, and Luke Passan produced we like Luke Passan he's got a particular style yes. and having somebody who's a DP as one of the directors I think helps for the visual style in this film as well yeah but I think that about wraps it up for a lockout for this week as usual guys if you want you can head back and check out our previous podcasts or our sister podcast Mono Rants the Boys and if you want you can come and find us on socials on Twitter at Rants Mono on Instagram at monorants underscore the underscore boys or you can send your own rants to monorantspodcast at gmail.com and we'll be back next week. Bye bye. We are Science Fiction Remnant. This is the Funny Science Fiction Podcast. We are the Caribbean Science Fiction Network. We are monorants. We are one accord level two podcast. This is Jesse from Sudden But Inevitable and Open Pike Night. This is Sci-Fi.